welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. Hi there, I'm Andrew Dimitri. I am founder of Nas Space, which is an online platform for Middle Eastern and North African queers who are creative. Yeah, um, and you are based Woo! in England. Um, in London, yes. In London. I want to give a big shout out to Tanya Safi, who wrote me and was oh, like, you need to connect Mama with Mama Bear. My yeah. mama, my mama, I love her so much. She, oh, big shout out to Tans. I bet you miss having her around. Absolutely. I keep messaging her all the time. I'm like, why don't you just fly back to London? Uh, and we could have a happy life together, you, me, and Rocky. It'll be amazing. I know. You could uh, quarantine together, too. Exactly. Oh, really the dream. Yeah. The dream. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really cute. Love it. Well, first off, we were talking about this before the recording. I think it's appropriate to check in with each other on here. Absolutely. How are things going with you and the quarantine and in London in general right now? Well, it's interesting because a lot of my friends who are full-time employed, mm -hmm. they, not that they've got it easy, but they've got some, some sense of security from their jobs. You know, their jobs also don't know what exactly is going on, but they're all getting paid normally and accordingly. They're just working from home, which is great. Uh, me and my other friends, however, who are freelancing, um, be that stylist, artist, whatever it is, um, even in any kind of hospitality industry, yeah. um, we're all struggling because I don't know when my next freelance gig is coming. Um, I, I do a lot of styling. I do a lot of uh, mentoring. Um, you know, I help a lot of people out with their startup businesses and everybody's kind of on hold financially because oh. they can't afford it. Yeah. And, you know, and I kind of also need to look for that kind of job. So, yeah, for a freelancer in London, it is not the best time. Yeah. But we are all pulling together and there's a lot of little things going on that I'm getting involved in with other queer collectives, um, with fashion designers, with whatever, just to kind of create some kind of income for us for the next couple of months. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's one thing. And then obviously the health thing, you know, that's, you know, goes right. without saying, we're all kind of terrified about even leaving the house and, you know, socializing with our friends. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird time. It's a really strange time. Yeah. Would have never thought this would have happened in 2020. And have you thought of ways that your work would be able to be translated to online? I know, I know a big part of it is that startups are not happening much right now and then also but it, but then also like how much of your work translates to being able to be online well um the whole my whole progression was that i was going to kind of launch my online business in march uh, where i was going to get funding and then that with that funding i was going to supply my artists with cash to produce their work and then by proxy give it back to me and then I sell it through the the website NAF space yeah. um, but unfortunately because of everything that's going on investments on hold um, the artists can't create their work and oh. therefore I can't sell it so I mean plan B is I'm just gonna have to I mean I was supposed to make my own work anyway and sell it on the website um, so I just need to focus on that element and hopefully if I sell my work I can you know give that money back to the NAF space crew basically and hopefully get them to start making and selling their work yeah. um, and but this... you know this is all quite quite up in the air let's be real <laughs> you know this right. is me being really really wishful thinking yeah um are you talking about the pieces on 
the shop enough space and it is it that stuff and then also art that you are creating absolutely so cool. basically what i have yeah. on the online shop right now is what's accessible and what is ready to to be bought awesome um but essentially everything else it's it was supposed to be for art and um screen prints and all that stuff yeah. um but obviously that takes more time so that's why that's on hold Ooh, so i know right <laughs> i know well onwards and upwards we just need to get on with it and see what we can all do together collectively yeah we really need to be supporting each other when however absolutely. each of us can yeah i agree absolutely so do you want to talk about the background of naf space so first can you explain to people what the name means right so nafs um, in arabic means the self mm -hmm. it also mean the ego and also in different in different kind of uh, tones of saying the word it could also mean breath all that it ever means is something to do with the internal self and i res it just resonated with me that word you know in egyptian we always, i always say nafsi and you know mm -hmm. also means your mental health it means so many things um that relate to the one individual um, and for some reason, that word just really resonated with me. And luckily, .com was also taken. And I was going through all the lists of what was available, and space came up. And I was like, mm. I, I'm totally going for this because you know it's supposed to be a safe space. We always talk in the yeah, we always talk in the queer community about having a safe space, and you know it's very important for us to have a safe space. So I was like, this actually falls together really, really well. The reason why I started it was because I've been in the creative industry in London for, I mean, 10 years. I've been here for 14 years. So for the last 10 years, I've been everything from a gallery director to working on a shop floor in a luxury store to managing a, you know, a luxury store to um, doing visuals for a luxury store. Like I've done a lot within that creative industry. And I've always just never felt that I had a space there. Hmm. I didn't feel like I belonged in those fields it was predominantly straight white men who ran the place and but led a lot by straight women um and you know i'd always yeah and i'd always be the kind of token arab yeah or the token gay you know my ideas were good and they did get through a lot of times but at times you know they were shut down really abruptly depending on who was listening um yeah, I just didn't really feel safe in those environments. So I thought to myself, I'm sure I'm not the only one going through this. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people who I identify as Arab and queer and creative, they must go through this too. And I spoke to a few of my friends who did feel the same. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start this platform for us. Um, and then it just kind of grew. So my friends told their friends, uh, I got them on board, and then now I've, I'm getting artists contact me about wanting to be involved, so it's great. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's super cool, super yeah. cool. When did you, sorry, when did this start yeah. again? September 2019. Oh, very recent. So it's still a little baby, yeah, yeah. It's such a little baby. It is a baby. I've seen, I saw that <laughs> like, uh, for example, I saw um, Aircon has, was yes. on there we had we had yeah. Ercon on the podcast before yeah. yeah amazing and then he's a great guy yeah oh he was awesome yeah. and then um i saw lisa lux and like oh lisa my heart and soul yeah. oh, I, oh i love her lisa seemed so cool like i 
she had this really cool music video recently where she was like, hey, everyone send in a clip of you doing something. And so yeah. um, I got a bunch of my friends and me to like send in a clip. So it's like all connected. <laughs> it is all connected. Yeah. And obviously Tanya, God, we yeah, got her Tanya in was common on the podcast. too. Yeah. Love. She was so much fun oh. to talk to. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky to say that I'm surrounded by amazing people and like yeah. extremely talented people, you know, who, you know, really stand for what they believe in and, you know, are just going at this full force. Yeah. And just the three that we mentioned right now, Tanya, Erkan, and Lisa, God. Amazing. And, they're just brilliant. You, yeah, and it, being surrounded by other creatives helps, I, I feel, helps your own creativity Absolutely. too. Um, and Absolutely. Like being motivated. I also wanted to ask about um, your 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 background like your upbringing so you you're from denmark originally right like you were born correct cool. correct yes and... so i'm born in copenhagen okay yeah that, that was a struggle in itself yeah um you know i you know how like everybody talks so highly of copenhagen and denmark and you know we have our word hugo which is like yeah very cold like cozy and all this stuff and it, it's great and i don't get me wrong i'm so privileged and lucky to have been brought up there. But growing up there was very difficult because what people don't realize about Denmark is that it's incredibly racist. It's super, super racist. Um, and once again, it was that feeling of not fitting in and not feeling welcome by their society. And you still, I still feel it when I go back. Um, so that's when, when I was uh, 19, I was like, I've had enough of this. I need to move to London. And I did. And I was like, I, I can't handle this anymore. Um, and also, a lot of my friends had also left the year before to study. So I did actually feel really, really alone. Um, oh, yeah. And I, yeah. Are your parents still yeah, there? Yeah, it doesn't help. My parents are still there. Okay. They, they, I mean, they love and hate it. Um, they're yeah. proper Egyptians. They're, my parents never like, they're just like, oh, just get on with it. Don't, don't think too much about it. You're, you know, they kind of make it seem like I'm so privileged to to be able to think about these things. They just shut up, get on with it. Mm, um, yeah. But I feel yeah. like you know that thing. <laughs> I I mean, yeah. So my I didn't have the the same experience because like I my only my dad is Saudi and then my mom is a white American. Right. So it's like I've had okay. a different experience, but definitely. Um, from what I know, he was very much like, I just need to assimilate when he came to the U.S. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. yeah, and like certain traits he never got rid of. And mm -hmm. then some traditions or things that, you know, you would hope he would hold on to, I guess he tried to suppress. In his case, it was some of the negative things like he held on yeah. to. <laughs> the Definitely. That but that's I what happens you, when yeah. you suppress things. Yeah. That's sure. exactly what happens when you suppress things, you know? Yeah. You're suppressing your whole identity to an extent, right? You're selling yourself, I am not, I don't belong here, so I need to suppress something to simulate. Right. Right? Yeah. And the more you do that, the more you do that, and I saw this with my parents, and even myself at times, even in London I feel it sometimes, the angrier I, I get about something, and the more I look like my dad basically, that's when I'm like, holy shit, what am I trying, what am I suppressing now? And why am I trying to fit into something that I'm not made to fit into, number one, or also why am I giving myself this idea that I have to fit in? Why can't I just be who I am? 
Right. Does that make sense? Because that's really, it's, totally. it's a, I've been thinking about this quite a lot. And it's like, I'm a very, my friends always think I'm a very like quiet person. And I'm just chilled. And I, you know, you give me a few drinks, then, you know, then the real me comes out. Yeah. Which is true to an extent, unfortunately. But it's because on my day to day, it's like, I don't want to start thinking. I don't want to have to con- continuously justify my feelings or my emotions or my thoughts because I feel like if I'm super honest with people who are predominantly white, which are my friends, I feel like it, it just it can unleash so much that they're not ready to hear. And mm-hmm. I'm also not ready to hear the response of. Yeah. I know what you Yeah. So. Yeah. On one hand, it's okay, I want to confront all these things at mm-hmm. once and blah, blah, blah. But it's also, do we have the emotional energy to deal with that at all times? No. No. Not at all times. And it's hard exactly. to, yeah, it's hard to find the balance sometimes. And then you feel it bubbling yeah. up inside you and you're like, uh, I'm about to lose it. Definitely. But then you, I, I don't know about you, but I get this like severe imposter syndrome a lot of times. Oh, yeah, all the time. Where, you know, I could be having such a great time with my friends and look around and I'm like, what? I don't belong here. <laughs> For some reason, this totally. like really annoying feeling would be like, Andrew, you, all your friends are like, why? Like, how are you? Why are you around them? Do they even really know you? Do they know what's going through your head? And yeah. I'm just like, why the hell am I sat having a great time with people regardless of like their their culture and their background or whatever? Why am I sat there just like, destroying this destroying this yeah you know I, I get that way about those spaces and then also being in arab spaces a lot oh my god yeah. yes where um absolutely yeah because of being mixed and because i guess being part of the diaspora in general you you feel that from 100 both spaces and where do i there, belong is there like a limbo space that i can join somewhere yeah <laughs> yeah no of uh, course going to egypt like i used to spend all my summers in egypt um which was great because I got to cool. see my family and it, yeah, it was really, really lovely. But even to my cousins and my aunties and uncles, they're like, like you're not Egyptian, oh, yeah. you're not Egyptian. And they're like, okay, cool. So in Denmark, I'm not Danish. In Egypt, I'm not Egyptian. What am I? Who am I? Yeah, can I guess that's why I'm moving to London. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Someone tell me because I don't know. Right. Um, I guess why like moving to London was, you know, a good decision for me because it's so diverse here. I mean, it has a lot of, you know, shit that goes, you know, that you have to kind of read between the lines of. Um, but yeah. face value, it's more accommodating than Denmark is. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah, we don't yeah. hear internationally. I feel like we don't hear much about the downsides of Denmark. Oh, no. It's the such racism. a small country. They've got, they've got great marketing, honey. They yeah, got they great do. marketing. They just want to make you make you come and visit and have some hygge and just chill out by the Little Mermaid and that's all you gotta do. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean the marketing has worked on me. I've always wanted to go. <laughs> so... I mean they are the founders of Lego. Let's come on, yeah. Lego is amazing. That's they did amazing. really well with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's so true. You don't hear about the ra- like. I mean, I've heard oh. glimpses here and there, but it's only because I've had these one-on-one conversations. Um, but yeah, somehow... dude, I'll tell you. So my dad, um, he founded or co-founded one of the first Arabic schools in Denmark. Whoa. Um, yeah, and he was. I mean, he basic. So basically, in Denmark, the Arab community are regarded as like the scum. Okay, oh. um, so my dad founded the school in like 
the I want to say the late seventies, early eighties, and it was doing so well. And he had like everybody that came out of his school was you know became engineers and scientists and doctors. You know, like yeah. every Arab parent's dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then September eleventh happened, and the government decided to shut down the school. Did I it know. Ever, so did my, it ever reopen or no? Nope. Never reopened. No, I I actually drove by it the other day uh, when I was in Denmark, and yeah, they turned it into flats. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. That's heartbreaking. It, it is, and like you know, for an Egyptian man's ego, you take away a job that big from him, and he totally. went through a massive depression. It was horrendous. It was absolutely bad. After September eleventh, yeah. my so my mom was a English as a second language teacher for mm-hmm. most of her career. She had a good job at a university, mostly teaching people from Arabic speaking countries. And after nine eleven, they had to close the English school because the of uh, many of the students weren't were being denied visas after that, and most of her students were Arab. So it was wow. a different situation, but. Definitely but still similar, same. yeah, losing yeah. a job and like, um, all because of like these, yeah, the government's blanket actions after 9-11 yeah. and how long it lasted. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so awful. It's so awful that these things happen and we don't really yeah. like hear about it a lot on the news, you know, we just hear, it's right. either through hearsay or, or you experience it f- firsthand and that's it. Exactly. But the rest of the world don't know because, you know, Denmark, people are still traveling there. People are still enjoying themselves there. And, mm-hmm. you know, they don't really care about what happens behind closed doors. Much like the Arab community. What? <laughs> I just dropped the mic there. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. When you were at home, did you feel like you got a lot of the culture of your parents? Or oh, do you feel like you missed out on a lot of stuff? Uh, a bit of both. So I, when I was growing up, and I think, so I went to international schools in Denmark. Um, once again, I was very, very lucky oh, to cool. have that upbringing. Um, so I went to school with a lot of foreign kids. Like my best friend was Chinese. My other best friend was Egyptian like me. And uh, I had Danish friends, Thai friends, Ghanaian friends, like everywhere you could think of. They were my oh. friends. And we were lucky that we all kind of bonded over how kind of crazy our parents were basically yeah. you know because like not, our parents didn't really come from much money it was really weird because like all the the ethnic kids we didn't come from money and our parents were all just as batshit crazy um because obviously they were all like working like two jobs or 10 jobs or whatever or really struggling to like you know keep up appearances because like in a lot of yeah. cultures you know parents do that but yes uh, so we I, I think in terms of culture and assimilation I did not assimilate I tried to assimilate to the Danish uh, culture um, very briefly to be honest I tried it for a bit and it wasn't me it wasn't yeah. me obviously when you go out on the streets yes you have to assimilate you have to act a certain way because like I said, the Arabs were always considered the scum of Denmark. So you have to kind of not be that right. in like your dress sense. Like there was a whole look for how Arabs dressed in Denmark. So you'd have to counteract that really quickly. So I would do that, but then I would be too fashion forward, which the Danes hated. 
And then the Arabs also oh. hated too. So they're like, what is going on here? So all of a sudden I became competition to the Danish community. And then also I'd be westernized to the Arab community. They'd be like, well, who, who are you trying to be? Oh, are you not like us? So you're like, oh my God, why? Like, why are all these questions coming towards me? And even like the Arabs in, in Denmark, they'd be like, you're not, you're not really Egyptian. You're one of them. You're one of them. Yeah. Like, how does that even you're fucking like, mean? I look I fucking know. fabulous. Shut up. That's like, it. That's it. That's everyone. it. Just calm down. I used to spend, oh my God, these, oh, it was just so awful. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it was a then, lose-lose situation. Yeah, and then much, I mean, we haven't even touched the, like, intersection of being gay and arab oh I mean, lord have mercy world. <laughs> <Whole different laughs> world. um how ha, how did that go for you when i mean merging the two worlds i guess has mm. nap space begin the has that been the first space that you've been able to like bring both of those identities together for yourself no the first space that i and i hands down thank pride of arabia this collective that's based in London. Yeah, I, I thank them yeah. for everything because of for enough space. They basically, oh, cool. I saw them on on Facebook. I was on Facebook a few years ago. They were doing an event in the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. And I was like, oh my God, this is an event, an LGBT event to raise money for LGBT people in Egypt. I was like, I cannot not go. Wow. Like, I have to go. So I grabbed my best friend and he was like, yeah, because I was like, I had no one else to go with. I was like, Tom, this tall, skinny white boy. I was like, can you come with me, please? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Sounds amazing. I was like, great, cool. Um, and then we went, we went there and I got to meet the whole Pride of Arabia crew and they were just amazing. They were so welcoming. And I honestly, it was the first time I felt not alone. Yeah, you know, and in in terms of like being gay and Arab, that was the first time ever I felt I had someone support me or a group of people support me, and I didn't have to like be mince my words or you know dress differently or talk differently or I just felt so at home immediately without even like yeah hang out with them for like five minutes. I you know I, I know what I know that feeling. It's so yeah eye-opening it is eye-opening and so profound too you know like i instantly gained a family from people i i I didn't know i didn't know yeah and like you you don't even realize at least for me when i was finally in a space like that Mm -hmm. i realized what i had been missing and i didn't even know no i had been missing really no it's crazy that isn't it for me there was this there's kind of a there's a group kind of like that in new york city called tarab nyc so that's another okay that's kind of a it sounds like a, maybe a similar space um or group yeah um so it was a, it was a similar feeling um and then there's a festival in philadelphia called yellow punk okay and it's not specifically for queer folks but it is for the swana the overall swana community it's very queer trans inclusive Perfect. And it was a similar feeling. Like once I was in that space, five minutes in, I thought, this is it. Like yeah. this is what has not been in my life. And I didn't even realize the importance of that. Um, no, but you don't. You yeah. don't because you're so insular with your thoughts and your emotions and you don't ever 
you keep thinking to yourself, this this place doesn't exist. Yeah. This family doesn't exist, you know, because you've kind of pushed yourself away from family and friends because of who you are and what you are. And you like, I don't know about you. I wouldn't talk on your behalf. But for me, I, I, I was adamant that I was going to die alone. Like, no one's going to understand this. Oh, and I yeah, don't need to I talk. Do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you, you all of a sudden see these great people who are just like you. And you're like, this is amazing. Right. Yeah. Right. I know. God. It's like, I don't, I don't take it for granted. I wouldn't say that. But mm-hmm. now I feel like it's just a regular part of my life. And that's such Which a cool great. feeling. Are, do you feel that too? Where you're like, okay, this is part of my reality, my constant reality yeah. now. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is just my day to day now. And listen, at the end of the day, we always take our families for granted. Let's be real. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You know, that's just how that's the nature of it all, isn't it? Yeah. So it's a nice feeling that you can take it for granted. At least there's something to take for granted. Yeah, that's a way to put it. And now it's like, oh, oh my God, there are too many queer like queer events (laughs) that i can't go to all of them you can't keep up (laughs) yeah just i can't do this yeah it's (laughs) it's great so how are things with i know i know with like the the virus i know that's put a lot Mm -hmm. to a halt but as far as enough space has it grown quite a bit since you started it oh yeah it has i mean i started off with six artists or creatives as i like to call them and right now i've got 21 and that's really good considering i only started in september yeah um i mean i it is isn't it yeah thank you you know i'm gonna pat myself on the back for that (laughs) but yeah no it's going really well i just want it to you know my thing is like i want it to be an incubator i want it because i struggled when i was younger as an artist i struggled and i didn't at the same time it was a really weird bit so i was basically me and my ex-boyfriend, we started doing artwork together, um, which led us on to opening an art gallery in East London in 2009, I think it was. Oh, cool. And we became like super successful, I guess, and well-known within nice. our community. But we had this one artist, I can't re- like really remember her name, but she was part of the young British artists. You know, th- that includes people like Damien Hurst and Tracy Emmett and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and okay. she just took she took a she took a liking to me and Chris at this point, and she was like, "I'm gonna make you guys famous." And I was like, "What is she on about? Like, what is she talking about? <laughs> She's never seen my work." <laughs> yeah, and also it's not real. She's never seen my work. I've gone drunk with her twice, <laughs> and then she dropped this bomb, and she was like, "Art isn't about the work; it's about the people." What? And I was like, huh. "What?" I was like, so what have I been studying for for the past four months? Yeah. And what? Why did I just start a new gallery with my boyfriend? We basically it was like a live workspace. I make it sound way glamorous than it really was. It was like a fucking de- desolate warehouse that we turned into a gallery. Um, oh, that that we also sounds, lived in. That sounds pretty awesome at GBH. Yeah, I mean, it really was. Yeah. The parties in there were amazing. Yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. But. Yeah, and I was just like, so why did I just start this gallery about promoting new artists in the area in East London? And and she kind of just like broke it all down. She was like, nope, got nothing to do with how talented you are. It's all about who you know, and who you are as a person. But then to be, but then to be fair, it's kind of how London is run. 
it really is. It's really, really sad. And this is why I started this space. And not that I know everybody or want to know everybody. I want all the artists involved in NAF space to feel like they belong and not because of who they know and not because of yes. what they know. I want them to be like, listen, I've got a voice or everybody has a voice, but I have these pieces of work that I want to show. That's all. And I'm creative. This is my outlet. This is what makes my mental health better. This is what makes me happy. This is what makes me get out of bed. This is what makes me want to live is creating these artworks. Yeah. And give give me that and I will promote it as much as I can this for you. This is so refreshing. Um, yeah. So there, I know there's like visual art. There's poetry. There's... Um, yeah. Can you talk about some of the art on there? Please? Great. So we've got everything from um, fashion designers, stylists, yeah. graphic designers, artists who use paint, photographers, printmakers, poets. Uh, I've got a whole section coming out about theory, the queer Arab theory, um, which a friend of mine is going to take over. Yeah. It's everything. Anything that makes you feel creative, that you want people to see, read here yeah. i would love to get music on it too at one point i want it cool. to be like i just want it to be this kind of amalgamation of pure creativity from the lgbt arab world that's what i want Hell yeah. that's the dream and i just want i don't like i also want these like new people who are worried like all the artists or a lot of the artists that i speak to they're like oh i don't know if i'm ready yet to make this and that to make that and to sell it i'm like just let's give it a go you never know till you try you know i just want like everybody from every level to be involved you know and support each other i relate to their feeling i'm a musician and i often have felt like no, it's not good enough to share yet. Or like, I'm not quite there. And then recently I've just been like, yeah. fuck it. I'm going to put stuff online as I work on it. Do it. Yeah. Just Do like it because this is what you need for yourself. Yeah. It is. That's it. It's progress. Listen, Yeah. it's like life is all about progress, right? Right. You're never a fully formed person. So therefore your art is never going to be fully formed. Right. One piece is going to... Can, like, it's going to be a spur on to the next piece and that the next piece and that the next piece and you're going to learn from all your mistakes and you're going to keep making mistakes because if you don't make mistakes then you'll never fucking learn and i find it right? nice to see other people's progress online when they post hey i'm working totally. on this and it's very empowering it's okay we all have a process we're not we don't just like create something and it's perfect overnight no oh. no of course not of course not. Like, think of any any artist, any artist. Think like Warhol. He just comes to mind now. Like, yeah. do you think he started off good? He fucking he was an illustrator in Vogue for shoes. Oh, That's yeah. how he started. Like, come oh. on now. He's just like sketching shoes. They're cute, but come on, wow. you know. And then he became this big, huge entity. And then you look at the YBAs here in in the UK, the young British artists. They, I oh, mean, if it wasn't yeah. for each other, if it was if it wasn't for each other, none of them would have gotten anywhere. Damien Hurst helped Tracy Yemen. It was all a small collective that they all kind of got together. They're like, well, if she can't be in this gallery, I'm not going to be in this gallery. So it also goes to show the power of what a group of people can do. Yeah. I mean, we could go into the fashion world too. The supermodels. 
Naomi Campbell, Christy Turlington, Kate Moss. If if someone didn't want Naomi Campbell, the rest of them would be like, hell no, then we're not doing it either. We come as a collective. I love that. You know, and that's what we need to, you know, we are doing now, being queer and also being Arab and being queer Arab. God, we are helping each other out a lot, but we need to come in full force now. I feel like it's needed. I'm so happy you're doing this. Um, Oh my God, so am I. How... Just also let me know if I'm talking too much. No, this is so good. I, I, I've been, I've been excited to talk to you. Um, I've been following you on Instagram for a while. I'm curious about this. So that means a lot. It really does. I can't wait to see it grow. Whatever shape it takes, you know. I know you, you're in a. We're all in a challenging time. We'll Everybody see, is. Yeah, exactly. and like, yeah, we'll see like what direction things like this can take. And like in the meantime, if someone wants, how can someone support NAFSpace either financially or if they can't financially, like, are there any other ways like people could um, support? Well, I think, I mean, I'm not too sure at the moment, but yeah. I do think I'm still going through uh, some shadow banning on oh, NAFSpace, yeah. uh, which is always fun. I mean, to be fair, like I was going through it before to the point where you couldn't even at NAF space anywhere, um, which is really, sh- I know. And then luckily a hookup in, at Instagram fixed it. Yes. Um, but I still feel like I'm being shadow banned, so I'm not showing up on explore pages. So how you can support me is I actually, you could either go on at nafs.space and give us a follow and a like on Insta. Um, and I have a crowdfunding too. If you do want to invest some money, you are more than welcome to. And that's also nafs.space crowdfunding. Cool. Okay. So yeah, that's how you guys can help us. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. I loved this. And also, also for any artists, queer Arab artists who want to get involved, send me an email, and that's Andrew at nafspace. You keep it, Is it easy no, and it's consistent. Not. I, I appreciate that. Absolutely. I like it all consistent. Speaking of consistency, you all can follow us at The Queer Arabs on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Our, our email is thequeerarabs at gmail.com. And our website, you guessed it, is thequeerarabs.com. So you can Ooh. hear all other episodes on our website or on most podcast apps like Apple Podcasts and most other places. We're still trying to get on Spotify. I don't know how to fix that. But other than that, <laughs> you should be able to find us. I'm sure you'll figure it out. I'm yeah, sure you got this. They make it really hard. Like if you build your website on your own, like not through a podcast building platform, right. Spotify makes yeah. it really hard to get on their thing. And I, yeah, we've been having issues. But That's so annoying. It is. I'm like, why? Like, we went why? Through. Why you gotta do this? Why? Spotify is <laughs> really popular. Anyway, but <laughs> thank you again, Andrew. This was really nice. Thank you so much, Alia. Thank yeah, you so much. That was you. really fun. That was so nice. I was telling Andrew before we started recording, it's just nice to socialize right now, too. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so nice to, like, speak to someone. To a human. <laughs> speak yeah. to someone. Yes. <laughs> Humans. God. I miss you. Humans.